0: Welcome. Glad that you're here at Elements, and it's a real treat. Uh, we try to do that every year, having kids uh, lead us, and, and we're thankful for everything that Jen and every one of you who volunteer in our eKids ministry uh, invested in the next generation. Thank you so much for investing in them and helping us as a church. And so if you have your Bibles, you can go to Isaiah chapter 9. We've been in this series called Given, Knowing that so much of this season is about what we give and and that's a fun part of Christmas And I want you to enjoy that and I hope you do and I hope you're not feeling overly stressed Uh, But in essence we can kind of get caught up in the blur of giving And yet forget this treasure and this beautiful gift that we've been given In Emmanuel Jesus with us God with us and so we've been looking at these titles that we see in uh, isaiah chapter 9 this idea that that god is our wonderful counselor and so we lit a candle a few weeks back as we started this and said you know jesus is our wonderful counselor not just a a counselor in a day long ago but a, a counselor who helps us with wisdom see a counselor is someone you listen to It's someone your ear is attuned to that you want to help because you know they can help you live the best possible way to live life. And Jesus very much is our wonderful counselor today, wanting to help us with day-to-day wisdom and understanding. Uh, He also is our mighty God, that Jesus put God from the, the scriptures on display in a personal way, in a unique way, in a way that has never happened before and has never happened since that we begin to see God and his might and his activity and his power, his sovereignty, on display through the life of Jesus from the very beginning. We looked at that last week, this idea that even as a child, even as a baby showing up, and we look at uh, him being an infant, and in one sense we look at that and go, well, that's not powerful, and yet we see the might of God on display, even through his infancy and and all of the, the promises that he fulfilled, the prophecies that he fulfilled, there's no way... It would have happened outside of the might and the power and the activity of God being on display and orchestrating everything. And we see his power not just through prophecies fulfilled, but all through this, his life and everywhere he went. He was putting the might and the power of God on display, so much so that people were constantly in awe, amazed. Who is this man? people would ask. There's something about him, 30 plus miracles recorded through the New Testament that we see Jesus raising people from the dead, giving sight to the blind, giving um, the ears back to the deaf that they might hear again, curing all kinds of things, healing people, healing people emotionally, and this idea of the power of God. And yet, in that, we recognize that the vehicle of God, which was Jesus in that moment, is still the vehicle of God through the church today, wanting to put God's power and might on display through his church into our city, into our community, into our sphere of influence that's around us, not because we're awesome, but because he's awesome. And his power and might is still at work, friends. And he wants to work through your life and through my life. So he is our wonderful counselor. And he is our mighty God. And he is our everlasting Father. And I want us to explore and kind of wrestle with that a little bit today. Uh, And I know in some ways that may stir some things within you, and we'll talk through that. Um, This may be a message that you, you resonate with really well. For others of you in here, it may stir some things within you, and that's okay. Because the beauty of the gospel is what we get to unpack here, that this child, Jesus, that we see in Isaiah... For us, a child is given, a son is given, a child is born, and he will be wonderful counselor, mighty God, everlasting father, prince of peace, and his reign, the way he reigns, will have no end to it. That's what the prophet Isaiah writes. Remember, this is a dark time in the, in the nation of Israel, as Assyria is getting ready to attack and take them off into captivity, and, and things are going to be really dark for a while, but The prophet is being used here by God to say, look, there is a hope on the horizon. And this hope in light of Jesus is meant to continue to cascade out into every generation and to impact everyone around them. That this child Jesus will reveal to us God as an everlasting good father in a way unlike anything ever before in history and anything ever since. This everlasting father matters to God. And he wants us to see that. Uh, Some translate this passage, some some scholars would say that this is kind of like a a father forever. This child will be a father to me in the best possible ways. Constantly loving, self-sacrificing, always looking out for my best. It reminds us of what the psalmist says in Psalm 103 where he says this, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. This fatherly compassion from this king will never come to an end. He is a father forever. Compassion is the most described emotion of Jesus when you read through the New Testament accounts. Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. You read about Jesus' life. You ever wonder what the most described emotion of Jesus? Well, it's compassion. I think because in a way he's living out this everlasting father. He is a good father for us. In fact, if you were to take the three weeks that we're looking at, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, you would kind of mush them together a little bit. You might mingle them in this way to begin to get your mind around it, that you realize that the effective plans of the Wonderful Counselor, remember the Wonderful Counselor is not just wisdom for the day-to-day, but he was an advocate that won a battle that we could never win on our own and he accomplished accomplish something for us. He will always have my best as his goal, and he will have the power as the mighty God to accomplish those plans. And he will always be strengthened to carry me along in a deep, loving relationship, to be involved in our lives as an overseer of our lives, this everlasting Father, this Father forever. Now, I know in talking about the concept of fatherhood, For a lot of people, you're sitting here right now and you're going, cool, that's awesome. Because you have a relationship, you have a context, you have a background of a pretty good earthly father. And you grew up under his care and you grew up under his involvement in life. And if that's you, uh, friend, you are blessed. In fact, you are hashtag blessed. Because that is a gift. I I grew up in that. It's a gift to think back on my dad and the way he fathered me, or there things, listen, no dad is perfect, okay? No earthly father is perfect in that. But for a lot of us, you might have that context where your earthly father lived out a lot of attributes that can help you see God as your everlasting good, good father. And it helps you make that connection. Now, I know for others of you sitting in this room, that's a pretty fractured relationship. And if it was just you and me sitting at Starbucks and we were having a cup of coffee and you were kind of unpacking your story a little bit and I could just eavesdrop in and, and just listen. There'd be a lot, of, a lot of heartache and there'd be maybe a lot of pain that this idea of fatherhood is, is not an easy subject, maybe. And, and if that's you, I'm really sorry I wish it was different. And I don't know, there's a, a million different things that can unpack that and could have directed that, maybe some your way of how you handled things and maybe a lot their way, and, and, and I don't know. Each story's different. But I know that's a challenge. And I really am sorry for that. What I, the hope I want you to capture and be caught up by tonight is the beauty of the gospel, Because in the beauty of the gospel, here's what we begin to see. That no matter what kind of relationship you had, for some of you, maybe it was good. For some of you, maybe it was bad. For some of you, maybe it was just non-existent. It was gone. And whether he was taken too soon or whether it just wasn't in the picture, this idea of God as Father is kind of hard to pin yourself to and begin to get your mind around. But because of the gospel, because of what we're reading in Isaiah, because of the promise that God has for you, there is a hope that you can have things reconstructed, repaired, and uh, reconnected in a way through Jesus to begin to see God as your everlasting good Father one who will never leave you nor forsake you, one who is always there for you. In fact, one of the distinctive, one of the distinct privileges and marks of a Christian is to get to know God as their everlasting father. This is at the heart of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. You get to know God as a good father. Why? Because you have Jesus. And here's the beautiful reality, and maybe you've never put this together. You get to see God the Father like Jesus does. And that, my friend, is an amazing reality. You, got, you actually get to see God the Father, the creator, sustainer of all the universe, as Jesus does. You get to have the gospel. And the grace of Jesus, redo a, a repair work or a healing up work or a rebuilding work that you can begin to see him as Jesus does. That we don't grope around in the dark as followers of Jesus looking for some higher spiritual generic power that's out there or chase after some false or fickle deity. No, because of Jesus, this child born, this son given, we can confess like Paul does. In 1 Corinthians 8, he says this, Yet for us, there is but one God, the Father, from whom all things came and for whom we live. There is but one Lord, Jesus Christ. Through him all things came and through him we live. That we get to have this connection. Now, before we dive into that and what the biblical teaching is on that it helps us get our mind and understanding around that we have to begin to to answer a question that may rise up and stir in within you that it sounds something like this people have asked before is god the father of everybody aren't we all god's children Well, it's true that God is creator and sustainer of all of us. And so in a kind of way, he's got this fatherly relationship with all of creation, including all of humanity. But the fact is that the Bible does not talk about God as father by virtue of him being creator of everything. It talks about him being father because he's come as a redeemer. That it's important for us to understand God's fatherhood depends upon our relationship with him not just a knowledge of him. It's a relational connection. God is the creator, he is the sustainer, he is the judge of all humanity. But the Bible wants us to understand that it's not, he's not the father of everyone automatically. He only becomes our father when we stand in a unique relationship to him through faith in Jesus. We only know God as father because of Jesus Christ. He is the one of a kind son. None of us have that right by birth or by virtue to call God our Father simply because only one does, and that's Jesus. In fact, only through Jesus do we begin to even learn that we can call God Father. Only through Jesus can we call him and begin connected to him this way. I would say it this way. You cannot have the fatherhood of God without embracing the sonship of Jesus. And that's a great theological truth that we have to get our mind around a little bit. Sometimes people will ask, well, whether Christians or other world religions, do they worship the same God? And it's tempting for all sorts of reasons to say yes, but it's impossible to do so. If you deny the sonship of Jesus, you lose the fatherhood of God. You cannot have one without the other. It's what Jesus said, remember in Matthew 11, he has these incredible, profound, inviting words. He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. Do you know what he says right before that? Here's what he says. At that time, Jesus prayed this prayer. Our Father, he always referred to God as Father, our Father and Lord in heaven of earth, thank you for hiding these things from those who think themselves wise and clever but revealing them to the childlike. It pleased you to do this. My father has entrusted everything to me. No one truly knows the son except the father. And no one truly knows the father except the son. And then this incredible, beautiful phrase. And those to whom the son chooses to reveal him. That Jesus is the revealer of God as everlasting father the first time we see that in history. That the creator of all is beginning to be known and seen with a tenderness and with an intimacy that has never been seen before because Jesus is the revealer of who God really is. See, Jesus is God's one and only son. This idea that this means Jesus is uniquely God's son and God is uniquely Jesus's father. They enjoy a unique, one-of-a-kind relationship as father and son that none of us ever get to have outside of our relational connection through faith in Jesus. We only get to relate to God as father because of Jesus. And the concept behind that is this idea, this theological truth, this biblical, spiritual understanding of adoption. How many of you have heard of adoption? Okay. This is the reality that the scriptures speak about over and over and over. And that's the truly beautiful thing that the scriptures declare to us is that through this spiritual adoption, we get to now relate to God as our everlasting father because of what Jesus has done, his life, his death, his resurrection, the way he introduces, the way of his sacrifice and his suffering on our behalf and enable us to have the same relationship with God as father just as he did. And it opens this way up through adoption to us. We only know God as Father because of Jesus. Jesus began to teach his disciples to pray. How? Our Father in heaven. The word Father in Greek is this idea of Abba. Not the band, but Abba. This idea of God as daddy, a papa, dada. This intimacy. This connection. See, for centuries, when people talked about God, and even as you read through the Old Testament, there's such this disconnect. There's such this gap and this vastness between God is all-powerful, and he is still that. And yet, this intimacy and this connection that we can have in a relational way that we can call him daddy. In fact, Paul begins to unpack this in Romans chapter eight. He says this, For all who are led by the spirit of God are children of God. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves, again. Instead, you have received God's spirit when he adopted you in as his own children. And now we call to him, Abba, Father. For his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's kids. How great is the love the Father has lavished on us, 1 John 3, that we get to be called, what? Children. Of God. Not subjects of God. Not even just friends of God. But children of God. That we get adopted into God's family in this beautiful, incredible reality. There's another passage in Galatians that helps unpack this too. Galatians chapter 4 says this When the time had fully come, speaking of Christmas, the reality, the beautiful miracle of Christmas, when the time had fully come, God sent his son, why? Because Isaiah 680 years before said, unto you a son is given. Here we are, Galatians 4. God sent his son, born of woman, born under the law, to redeem those of us who are under the law, that we might receive full rights as sons and daughters. And you gotta stop here. You gotta get, get a grip around these words and what it actually means. God sent his son. Unto us a son is given. It's this incredible, generous gift of God that he said, I'm not content with you trying to figure out a way to get here. I'm gonna come and get you to make sure I can get you home. That's the beauty of Christmas. It doesn't just stop there. This baby born of woman, so not only is this baby fully divine, he is fully human. Remember this miraculous unpacking of the incarnation. God is fully God. Jesus is fully God, fully man born under the law, lived under the law, died under the law, and because he did so without blemish, those who call on him are redeemed and they are set free. When Jesus said, it is finished, the debt we owe to a perfect and holy God was paid for. And that's an amazing gift. In fact, picture a courtroom, right? How many of you have ever been in a courtroom before? Let's picture you're in the courtroom of God, right? And you've got your good deeds stacked up to his perfection. Good luck, right? (laughs) And in that moment, we're all toast. We're like, well, I didn't do enough. I've still got all this yuck in my life. There's no way I'm going to get out of this. We stand in a courtroom convicted of wrongdoing. And suddenly, we find out that the penalty has been paid, and we are free to go. That's an amazing reality that this penalty of debt of sin that's been stacked up against us, Jesus says, it is finished, It's meaning it's paid in full, you're done, you get to leave the courtroom. You're innocent, debt-free. The reality is Jesus meets you in the hallway and he says, I want you to come to this other courtroom. And you go into the other courtroom and there's a judge standing there with some adoption papers. And Jesus says, I want you to be part of my family now. I'm going to take you in. And so you go from one doom setting of a courtroom into this beautiful gift setting of a courtroom where you actually get drafted into God's family, this legal biblical language of adoption. See, it's one thing to pay the price for someone's failures, it is another thing altogether to bring them into your family as a legal member, heirs to the kingdom, adopted into the family with full claim and full rights. Jesus suddenly has given us a great inheritance. That's what Paul is trying to get us to grasp and understand because of this baby that's been given, the whole reason for Christmas, having saved us from the law, is now bringing us as adopted sons and daughters, as heirs into the inheritance of the kingdom forever. And, And that can still feel a little relationally disconnected. But here's what you have to get your mind around. Jesus wants more than a business transaction for you To come into his family he wants a relationship with you and that's the beautiful nature we see in true adoption it's not just that i legally adopt you and you can live in my house and hang around us it's i'm adopting you into our family you are now one of us you are now a part with full heirs and full inheritance and full rights see paul writes on verse 6 he says this because you are now sons and daughters God sent his spirit of his son into your hearts, the spirit who calls out Abba, Father. we see this phrase again. This intimacy that God wants to be known. He will forever be a wonderful counselor. He will forever be the mighty God where his power and might is on display. Listen, he wants to be known to you and to me as daddy, as Abba, that we get to relate to him in such a way. Why? Because Jesus did. And when you get Jesus, you get everything. You not only get cleared out of one courtroom and your debt and slate wiped clean, you get pulled into another one where you therefore get adopted into God's family and made right. The introduction of us referring to his mighty God as Abba Father, his everlasting Father, has such intimacy and tenderness to it. This is how Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Daddy, who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. We need you. I need to connect to you that way. The Apostle Paul says, yes, you have been legally pardoned. Yes, you have been legally adopted. But God wants more than a legal relationship. He wants an ongoing intimate relationship with you and with me. And Paul tells us that his spirit causes our hearts to cry out, God, you are you a are daddy. You are an everlasting father to me. So for those of you who may have a wrecked fatherhood past, the beauty of the gospel is that does not have to be your reality today or your reality tomorrow or your reality next Friday or 15 years from now or 50 years from now. You get to have Jesus as an everlasting, good, good father. And he can do a repair work and a restoring work within you. Jesus came that we would not just be legally adopted in his family, that we would sense and feel that we are real members of his family. Why? Because he's an everlasting father, motivated by compassion. I wrote this, God wants to be a forever father for you with you adopted into a new forever family with him and he now oversees your life forevermore every day that you have left written for you and every day after that in eternity with him he's the overseer of your life if you've ever been to adoption anyone ever been to an adoption before it's an amazing thing it seems so simple at first, But there's something incredibly profound happening there. I remember friends of ours, we went to this adoption in the park and it was time for their family there and they rolled up and this judge was sitting on a park bench and they brought their little one that they had fostered for a while and, and now they're ready to have her become a part of, and this phrase that adoptive families use, you're now a part of a what? A forever family. You're now part of this forever Family. It may not have biological bonds yet, but it has a bond of will and choice and chosenness that's stronger yet. And I remember the judge saying, Hey, do you you, and have you promised and you're taking all rights? And the parents were like, Yes. And the little girl saying, Yes, I want to be a part of this forever family. She hadn't known a family before and here she is in this connection, and we walk out of the park, and it's nothing magical. There was no unicorn that showed up. There wasn't anything like pixie dust, but it was this profound, beautiful reality of a transformation of a life forever changed because of that one moment, and that piece of paper, and that pledge made. It changed her life forever. It may not be a biological bond, but it's a forever bond of choice. We've got families in our church that have this. I think of the the Koenig's family. And, uh, you know, God, you just watch them sing. They're kids. And God laid on their heart to say, look, I've got a kid picked out for you. In fact, I've got a couple kids, but I've got a few kids picked out for you. Um, And I've got them in a holding pattern halfway around the world. And you don't even know it yet, but as you've been praying, I've already handpicked them. I've selectively uh, selected them out just for you strategically, and I'm gonna match you up. You know, we we have connections with Emmanuel, with uh, Arizona Baptist Children's Services, there's other agencies people have gone through. I think of the Seacrest uh, family, who is a part of our church family, and I remember being in that courtroom as Naomi became a part of their family. And the reality, the beautiful truth of what was happening. As people, uh, friends, and family gathered around them to support them and encourage them. You know, I, I, think, of, I think of Trish and Morgan and their little one, Dax, who, you know, I, I know for Trish and Morgan a short part of their story of wanting to start a family. And maybe it didn't start the way that you picture, the way that you think it's going to, but God says, look, I got a family for you. In fact, I've got a chosen family for you. And I've got this little one who's starting off with a lot of challenges. And I need you to rescue him. I need you to partner with me to rescue him. And I want him to become a part of your forever family. And I want you to forever change the trajectory of his life forevermore. It will never be the same. It's this amazing reality that God handpicks. He strategically selects. He carefully chooses, and he adopts. Think of my brother adopted. You know, and I remember my mom not being able to have uh, any more kids, and... And I really wanted a baby brother. And when you're four or five, you just tell your parents you want a baby brother because you think you buy them at Walmart or something. And just, and I don't know what's going on. And I don't have any history of anything. I, I don't know what happens. But I know they going through this long process and trying to adopt and, and actually get on this list. And there's four other couples who are there who don't have kids, and yet God selects Alan to be a part of our family. We already have a kid. And, and that's why I think every adoption It's just this beautiful work of our sovereign God who says, I've got just the one picked out for you. Does that mean it won't have challenges? No, it'll probably have challenges. But I've got just the one that needs your family, that needs your love, needs to you become a part of this forever family. You know, it's fascinating when you start thinking about adoptions or start listening to adoption stories we, we often tell the story from the parent's point of view. Here's how the parents and the journey they went on and, and all the investment they had to make and all the paperwork and background checks and everything that they had to go through and we think of this process of, of God bringing someone into their family, we, we see them receiving and them forging this new forever family together and we, we, we think of it from that angle. But I want you to see a video clip that you may have seen on Facebook or just kind of went viral about a year ago. And I want you to listen to this 13-year-old describe adoption from his point of view and what it means within him. And so listen to his words. Watch his emotion as he's sharing this special day as he gets adopted and he and his brother become a part of this new forever family. And I want you to listen because you're not gonna hear the parents' point of view, you're gonna hear his point of view. Listen to what he has to say. They all agree that this adoption ought to go forward? Yeah, they all love it. Yeah, we all love like yeah, all them. Like, our whole of family is like the best thing you ever have. Oh, <laughs> boy. Just, that's yeah. great. I'm hear. glad to have these people. Oh, wow, that's really good to hear. <laughs> Are you all ready to make the commitments that people make when they adopt? Yeah, I'm glad to be there. Um, They're just really the best thing I've ever had. Oh, I just so can't, I can't wish, <laughs> if I wish anything worse, I just wish that like, I could just love these people for like, the rest of my life. If I had any doubts, they are not Sean, <laughs> I'm going to ask you first if you'll approve the adoption. officially <laughs> say yes. <laughs> Do you approve? All right, would you show us? Isn't that awesome? Just... <clears throat> you can clap for that. You know, we so often think of adoption from a parental point of view. But here's what I want you to wrestle with this week. One simple challenge. Take 10 minutes this week and remember that as a follower of Jesus, you have been adopted into God's forever family. He is your everlasting Father and he will never leave you nor forsake you. He has your best at heart. He wants to lead you in the best possible way to live. He's got wisdom to give you for the day to day. He's got power to give you for the moments that you face and the challenges that come your way. Why, because He's a good Father. He is with you. He is forever with you. This reality, I think so many times we think, okay, I need a new spiritual nugget, I need a new piece of information. No, 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 I think we just need to remember I think we need to remember that we have been adopted. And what would it look like to take 10 minutes this week as a follower of Jesus just to say thank you? We need to be more like Deshaun. And we need to understand what we've been given as God is our everlasting Father, one who is always with us, who has sufficient enough energy that we need, sufficient enough um, scope of reach. You are never beyond his reach. You are never off his radar. He has never misplaced you. He's never forgotten about you. He knows exactly what's going on in your life and he wants to be intimately connected to you, involved in your life. And what would it look like to take 10 minutes and say, I wanna have a Deshawn moment. God, I just wanna spend 10 minutes telling you how much I appreciate you. (laughs) that you handpicked me, that you strategically, selectively said, you're the one that needs to be a part of my family, and you opened my heart through faith in Jesus to become a part of your forever family. What does it do to your heart to know that God wants to be known as an everlasting Abba Father to you? How does it move you to think about that? take your mind out of this religiosity that we can get caught in so many times. I'm religious, I go to church every Sunday. No, 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 no. You're with Jesus. And he saved you and he rescued you and he took you out of that courtroom you owed nothing. And he led you down the hall to another one where he signed papers and said, you're now a part of my family, my forever family. And he's constantly with you. How does that move your heart and stir you? So this Christmas, wrestle with that, lean into that. Begin to ask God, God, I wanna see you more as my heavenly daddy. Not just this big deity in the sky that seems so separate and so far away. I wanna know you in a relational way. And if you're here tonight and you've never said yes to Jesus, and you want to have God as Father, then it starts with that. I cannot make it any simpler than that. It starts with saying, Jesus, I need a relationship with you, that your life, your death, your resurrection made a way that I can have life with God. And I may not understand all of that, but I need that, because I'm tired of trying to figure it out on my own. And if that's you, then you need to say yes to him. If you've been walking with him, then you need to understand this week You are walking with your Everlasting Father. And how does that move your heart? And tell him, tell him how that moves your heart. So Father, that's what we pray for. As we continue on into communion and worship a little bit, we remember, Jesus, that it was your life and your death and your resurrection that paved a way for us to have life with God. Not just a religious connection, but a relational connection that we actually, the spirit that you put within us has sealed us with your Holy Spirit, cries out to you as Abba Father, that we get to understand this biblical knowledge and concept that we've been adopted into your family with full rights of inheritance to be an heir with Jesus. That's an amazing reality and forgive us for making that so trite sometimes. Forgive us for keeping that a shallow thing We want to know the depths of what that means, that we can be relationally connected with you as our everlasting good Father. For some of us, we need a repair work of that whole concept of fatherhood. And so, Jesus, would you let your gospel and your grace do a repair and restoring work of that? Holy Spirit, would you bring healing that needs healing? Would you bring hope into places that need hope? Father, for each one of us, would you stir us this week to take some moments as we move toward Christmas to acknowledge before you how that moves our heart, to see you as our spiritual daddy, not just a distant deity, but one who's right here in our here and now. Our constant overseer knows everything about us and loves us still who wants the best for us, who is for us, not against us. How great is your love that's lavished on us, that we get to be called your kids.